Welcome to the Effortless English Show with the world's number one English teacher, AJ Hogue, where AJ's more than 40 million students worldwide finally learn English once and for all without the boring textbooks, classrooms, and grammar drills. Here's AJ with a quick piece to help you learn to speak fluent English effortlessly. Hi, I'm AJ Hogue, the author of Effortless English, Learn to Speak English Like a Native and the father of the effortless English system that trains you, that teaches you to speak English fluently, speak English powerfully, speak English confidently, speak English effortlessly, think in English. When you train with my VIP program, join, commit, don't quit, commit to my VIP program at effortlessenglishclub.com. Go over there now, or after the podcast, go over there to EffortlessEnglishClub.com, and you'll click on there. You'll see uh, some information about VIP. Just click on that, and you can sign up. You can try VIP for just $1. Try it for 10 days, just $1. But of course, to get the benefit, to speak powerfully, to speak fluently, to think in English, you've got to commit. You've got to commit. Commit means you make a decision, and you don't quit. What is failure, really? I think in most life situations, in most life situations, failure means quitting. If you're still in the fight, if you're still fighting, if you're still trying, you have not failed yet. You know, yes, this is another problem with schools, right? You can, let's say you're in a math class, let's say you're in geometry, I don't know, <laughs> high school, uh, you're in geometry and you fail a test. Does that mean you are a failure at geometry? No, it means you failed one test. If you don't quit, if you keep trying to learn, you keep studying, you can still learn geometry. In fact, you can master geometry. Even if you fail a class, if you fail a geometry class, you get an F in the class. Does that mean you're a failure at geometry? Still no. Still no, if, if, if you continue trying to learn geometry. Maybe you try to learn it independently. Maybe you go to a, you get a tutor, like a private tutor to help coach you some. Uh, maybe you get online. Maybe you find different books. Maybe you take a different class. But as long as you're still in the fight, you're still trying, still trying to learn, you're, you're not yet a failure. In my opinion, you're still, you're not a failure. You may have small failures like that. You can fail a test. You can fail a whole course. But you're, you have not really failed until you stop trying, until you stop fighting, until you quit. Then you fail. And of course, it does happen in life. You know, I have failed in life in different things where I have quit. I've decided uh, I'm just not going to keep doing this. We have limited time. We have limited energy. So, you know, we will have those kinds of failures, too. But on the other hand, I think too often we, we get um, upset by this, the difficulties, the, the periods that are difficult, the time periods that are difficult where we're maybe having some smaller failures and then we think, oh, I'm just a, this means I'm a failure. No, it just means you're having a hard time. If you don't quit, if you commit, if you stay committed, you keep fighting, you're still in the fight, you're still trying, you're still trying to learn, you're not a failure. And indeed, you probably, most likely, will still succeed. So that's what I say. Well, you know, you've got to join the VIP program, but you've got to commit. 
right? You can't just join for one month and then quit and then think you'll speak fluently. Of course not. But when you commit, you don't quit, you commit, and month after month after month, you will succeed. And we see this again and again and again with our great VIP members. They do succeed. The ones that don't quit, they do succeed. They get those benefits that I'm talking about all the time. Speaking fluently, speaking confidently, speaking powerfully, speaking effortlessly. And you will too. But just commit. Commit, commit, commit. Don't quit. At EffortlessEnglishClub.com few different topics today because I know I've been gone. I'm not still struggling to get onto a regular schedule. You might hear my little partner right now. What is it? Hmm? This is why I'm struggling to get onto a schedule, back to the schedule of doing shows and recording because I've got uh, one new baby at home, our baby girl. And uh, unfortunately, we've got one baby in the hospital still. Or we have twins, and the baby boy is in the hospital. And I'll give you a quick update. Our baby boy had surgery, and it was successful. He, had, he has to have a few surgeries, not just one. But he had his first surgery, and uh, he's doing okay. But, you know, of course, you know, we're visiting and, and going to the, staying at the hospital a lot. And then also trying to take care of this little one. And not getting much sleep, and our schedule's crazy, so this is why I am not doing (laughs) so many shows uh, in the last, I don't know, four to six weeks. But I'm trying. I'm trying to get back on a schedule. Usually I'm watching this little baby at night, late at night. It's after midnight now here in Japan. I'm going to try to start doing some recording. I can't do live shows right now. You You can hear this baby is moving around and making some noise. I just can't do a live show because she'll start crying at any time. It will interrupt the show. I'll have to stop the show. So um, I'm just going to do these recorded shows for a while. And uh, hopefully when our other baby comes back from the hospital and we have both of them at home, then my wife can watch them for a, you know, for an hour or for a couple hours. And then I can start doing some videos, live videos again. So thank you. I just wanted to say thank you to everybody also on social media, Gab and Facebook and uh, Twitter, who've uh, you know said congratulations to me for, about the babies and who are praying for our our boy. And you know, thank you, thank you. For your messages. <clears throat> I've read all your messages. I appreciate it. I know I'm not um, responding a lot on social media because I'm so busy, but I do appreciate it very much. Thank you. Now, connected to this topic, you know, with with our boy, um, we've we've had a lot of financial stress, money stress, because these, uh, uh, you know, this he's having to get all this very intensive uh, um, care, medical care in the hospital and surgeries and all this stuff, very, 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 very expensive. And uh, so, you know, we've definitely had some financial stress. Of course, there's the stress of worrying about. Uh, about the babies, the stress of a newborn baby, all the stress of all this stuff, plus financial. But the good news is, um, despite this kind of financial stress, uh, it's actually not that much. I mean, the, 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 you know, the, it's, I think most people would be super stressed financially about what we're dealing with right now. 
but we're not so much. And the reason for that is because we live so simply. I mean, this, this whole situation has shown me the wisdom and the power of living simply, no matter what your income, even if you're a multimillionaire. It is very, very um, wise, intelligent, and it's a great strategy to, uh, to fight worry, to avoid worry. And indeed, it brings a huge amount of freedom to your life, living simply. And this is one phrase in English you'll see a lot. We, people say, voluntary simplicity. Voluntary simplicity. Voluntary means you choose, right? You choose to do it. I mean, no one's forcing you to do it. Of course, involuntary means not voluntary. Involuntary simplicity is maybe you're just so poor that you have to live simply. You have no choice. And that's less fun, <laughs> right? Nobody likes that. Uh, but voluntary simplicity means you choose. It means maybe you have a lot of money. But it doesn't you have a lot of money, but you choose not to buy the huge houses. You choose not to buy the expensive sport cars. You choose not to spend huge amounts of money. You still live simple, simply. You live a simple life or you live simply anyway. This has many advantages and one of the advantages is sometimes in life <laughs> there can be sudden shocking surprises, right? Financial shocks. And we're having one right now. But when you live simply, it's much less scary because, ah, you know, we have a big financial shock. We have these huge expenses. But on the other hand, we know that already our expenses are quite low, right? We, have, we live in a very small, tiny, quite cheap apartment. We, don't, we just don't spend much money on things. And we know we can cut our expenses even more. We know we can live super simply if necessary. And so, you know, we don't like the financial difficulty, but um, because we live simply, we're not stressed about it. We're not super stressed about it. We're not super worried about it. On the other hand, if we had been spending lots of money, if we had, you know, got a big house with a big loan and, uh, you know, expensive car or cars and loans for those and just this kind of very expensive lifestyle, then we right now would be super, 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 super stressed about the money in addition to the, the, the natural stress about just the babies and everything else. So not living simply is it's uh, it's it it makes a more stressful life. Maybe not in the beginning, but you'll see that this this happens. Um, you, again, you see this a lot with athletes. You know, professional athletes, people who um, suddenly get a lot of money, like they win the lottery or something. Uh, you see it sometimes with actors and actresses and other pe people who are famous, where they they make a lot of money suddenly but then they go spend right they go make this the opposite of a simple life right they buy not often they buy not just one house but two or three or four or five super expensive houses i mean why it doesn't make any sense really but they do it uh and they go buy lots of cars and they're just spending tons of money and as long as they're 
they've got a great income and as long as they have no financial stress, um, it seems like everything's fine. But then what happens? They do get some kind of financial stress. Uh, for those guys, maybe they uh, maybe uh, their career, something happens and they're suddenly making less money or they retire, right? Like athletes. Athletes have a short uh, working life. They have to retire quite young. Uh, and so suddenly they're not making all that tons of money anymore. Or maybe they have some other kind of financial stress. Maybe they invest in a business or start a business and it fails. And because of that, you know, it's a huge disaster for them because they're living so high, right? Living so, such an expensive life. And it destroys many of them. It destroys their happiness, destroys their health, makes them miserable. If instead they would just live simply, much more simply, they wouldn't have any of that stress. They would have all the money they would ever need for their whole lives and more. They could still live very nice, comfortable lives without stress, without worry of any kind. It, it Simplicity brings freedom. See, this is the problem. People often think that, oh, I don't want to live simply. I don't want to, uh, you know, I don't want to live in a less expensive place. I don't want to avoid buying expensive things. I don't want to have financial discipline. They think it's some kind of uh, like denying themselves something. But in fact, it's a gift to yourself. You're giving yourself freedom, freedom from stress, freedom from worry, and also the freedom to choose many different things. When you don't buy a lot of things, you have more time, right? You have more abundance. You have the same income, but you spend less money. Well, now you have extra money. Well, that gives you choices, right? Instead of just buying junk, that money, can you can save it for an emergency. You can save it to invest. You can use it to start a business. You can use it in all kinds of different ways. It gives freedom. Discipline, financial discipline gives you freedom. Simplicity gives you freedom. So anyway, that is uh, just b mentioning this topic. I have talked about this topic in the past, but I wanted to mention it again just briefly because uh, uh, it is definitely affecting my life right now. I'm seeing the advantages. I'm seeing the benefits of living this simple life now. That, you know, living well below <laughs> what our income is. Well, now, thank God we did that because now we can handle this kind of financial stress. So it's great. Now, speaking of the babies, let's talk about another topic that's connected to our babies. You know, we have twin babies, and, uh, you know, right now, they're just one month. They're not speaking. They don't, they can't understand anything. They're too young for this. But, you know, eventually, of course, they're going to learn language. And we have an interesting situation because my wife is Japanese, and, of course, I'm American. And so we want the babies to speak both languages. We want them to grow up and learn both English and Japanese as native speakers, right? To, to learn both languages as babies for, from starting as babies so that they're totally and naturally fluent in both of those languages. 
and there are different ways to do this. There's lots, there's some different little, um, people suggest different ideas about this, but I'm going to discuss how we're going to do it. I'll tell you our plan to teach our babies both Japanese and English. How are we going to do it in a very natural way, in a super, super simple way? And it's something that's called OTOP, or I'm sorry, OPAL, OPAL, One Parent, One Language. So O-P-O-L. One Parent, One Language. That's right, baby. One Parent, One Language. What do you think? I'm doing it right now. So one parent, one language. And as you can you can tell, probably even guess what this method is. It's, I've talked about it before, but it's quite simple. It's basically, you have a baby, right? Or a child. You can use this with older children too. Older meaning, you know, elementary school age. And all you do, you just you just do everything normally as you normally would with a baby. You know, you talk to them the same way you would naturally. There's really no, there's no teaching. You don't need any books. You don't really need any kind of special techniques or anything. But the the key thing is that each parent speaks a different language all the time. So, of course, I will be speaking, and I already am speaking English to our babies all the time. It's all constantly just, you know, hi, baby, you do you want to eat? Are you hungry? You know, just naturally, just like any parent normally does, I will always, always, always speak English to them. And so they will be learning English from me. They will connect English to dad. And then my wife, who is Japanese, will speak Japanese to them all the time, at least for the first few years when they're babies. Now, eventually when they start speaking both languages, you know, they're going to realize, oh, mom knows English too, and dad knows a little Japanese. But uh, (laughs) when they're babies, we're not going to mix the languages. This is important. And the reason it's important is that, you know, when babies are learning a language, a big motivation for the babies to, to... learn and to use the language is, of course, they want and need, not just want, they need, they need to communicate with mom and dad, right? They need and desperately want to tell mom and dad what what they need, right? I, I'm hungry. I, my, you know, my stomach hurts. Uh, I'm thirsty. I'm tired. You know, all these really basic things. I want this. I want that. All those kind of things. So even if, um, you know, both parents speak multiple or many languages, you kind of have to pretend with the babies that you're only going to speak one language, right? So I will only, only, only speak English with the babies. And my wife will only, 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 only speak Japanese with the babies. Like, as I said, <laughs> until they get old enough, they get smart enough to realize uh, what's happening. But, but then, by then, they already know the basic language. So that's really it. So my wife will always speak Japanese to them, and I will always speak English to them. And in this way, they will learn the basics of the language. Now, one thing we're going to add to this is what I call a sign bridge. There's another name for it. What's the name of it? Oh, yeah. Where are my keys? Which is, I think, an incredibly stupid name for the method. (laughs) Some group developed this um, and they named their method. Where are my keys? Which um, I don't like it. It's a stupid name. It doesn't it doesn't tell you anything about (laughs) what the method is. 
so I changed the name. I'm calling it sign bridge, a sign bridge. We're going to use the sign bridge technique, which I have also talked about in the past. And this is to help um, with one of the challenges of bilingual children, teaching children two languages, right? Because, of course, for babies to learn two languages, well, it's double the information. It's double the work, right? It's double the amount to learn. And so it can be quite confusing, right? Like if dad is always saying, eat, do you want to eat? Do you want to eat? But then mom comes and she starts, she's saying, taberu, taberu. It's right for a very, very, very tiny baby. You can imagine that's suddenly quite confusing. Now they're getting two different words at different times with these different people. So it adds, it adds confusion. It adds a lot more for them to learn. And because of this, Typically, not always, but typically, um, babies who are learning uh, two languages, they will speak later, right? It takes them a little longer to start speaking and even to understand, right? Their, their language development as babies is a bit slower. Now, eventually, they catch up, right? It's not a problem for them, you know, as they get older. By the time they're, you know, 12 years old or 15 years old, it's, it's no problem. They'll speak both languages very well. But in the very beginning, as babies, it can add several months. It can add, you know, I don't know, three, four, five, six extra months uh, until they speak. This is not a huge problem, but it is a little bit of a problem because, you know, for the babies, um, it can be frustrating for them when they can't communicate. Right? It, it helps them communicate when they can say, I'm hungry. This helps a lot. Right now, as, as all you parents know, with the newborn babies, they can't talk, so they just cry. And then you, you don't know why they're crying. Whoa, are you hungry? Is your diaper wet? Is, do you, you know, is your stomach hurt? Do you have gas? Are you sleepy? Are you in a bad mood? Right? They, they just have one thing they can do. They just cry. And for everything, they cry. And, you know, of course, you try to guess, you look at their face, and maybe they cry in a little bit different way, and parents become good at guessing what the different kinds of crying mean, but it's not the same as speaking. It's so much better when they can finally speak, and they can just say, I'm hungry, I'm thirsty, you know, my butt hurts, <laughs> my diaper's wet, <laughs> whatever, I need to go to the bathroom, I want to, um, I give me that, you know, put me down, basic stuff. And so it can be frustrating for babies if, you, if they have to wait much longer to be able to do that. So the advantages of the sign bridge is it helps the babies communicate very early, even before they learn these two different languages. And this, what is the sign bridge? It's basically using sign language, sign language for the key, most useful, most important words. You don't need to do full sentences with sign language. You don't need to do any kind of grammar with sign language. Nothing like that. Just basic words like hungry, thirsty, eat, drink, sleep, bed, and then like physical objects, you know, like, you know, uh, I don't know, milk, <laughs> food, apple, right? Different things they want to eat, that kind of thing. Pick up put down, hurt, hurt, right? Stomach hurts, head hurts. 
things like that. So you learn sign language. You can use any kind of sign language. There are different kinds of sign language. Um, we're just going to use American sign language. There's a standard American sign language. There's lots of um, videos online you can watch. There's even sign language dictionaries you can get and flashcards. So here's why I call it sign bridge. It's so my wife and I, we will learn these basic words. So maybe 200 to 500, eh, not even 500, probably 200 to 300 signs. And just in the beginning, just starting with maybe 10, you know, hungry, thirsty, food, milk, really, probably just milk, um, hurt, pain. And both my wife and I, we will both use the same signs, right? So, for example, eat. Eat. The, the, the sign for eat, you can probably guess, it's, it's you, 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 have your, you use your hand, one hand, and you just bring it to your mouth like you're putting food in your mouth. That's the sign for eating. Eat. Eat. And so what we will do is, when I'm talking to the babies and I say eat in English, I will use the sign. I will use the sign as I say the English word, eat. So I'll say, you know, babe, do you want to eat, eat? And as I do it, I'll use my hand and bring my hand to my mouth using that sign, the sign language for eat. Then my wife will do the same thing when she's using Japanese. So she'll, she might say taberu or maybe she says want to eat, which is tabetai. But either way, when she, when she uses some form of the word eat in Japanese, taberu, she'll use, though, the exact same sign, the same one I'm using. She'll also bring her hand to her mouth. So she'll be saying taberu, taberu, or tabetai, or something like that, and bringing her hand to her mouth. I'll be saying eat, 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 or want to eat, and I'll be bringing my hand to my mouth. So you can see the advantage to this. The baby might, you know, it's natural, the baby might learn the English first, for example. Maybe the baby will learn eat first, and they still don't understand taberu yet. But they will recognize, even in with their little baby brains, <laughs> they'll recognize, oh, the sign is the same as dad's using. Mom is saying a different word. She's making different sounds, but she's using the same sign. She's doing the same thing with her hand. And so just naturally they'll understand, ah, this also means eat, right? putting food in my mouth. So this will help the baby, number one, this will help the baby learn the Japanese. If they learn the English first, then they'll quickly learn the Japanese because they're seeing the same sign. And of course, sometimes they might learn the Japanese first. But again, because we're using the same sign, let's say for drink, you know, mom's saying, um, what is it? Nomu. And uh, she's using the, the, the sign for drink. And then I say drink, and I'm using the same hand motion. So maybe they, baby learns the Japanese first, but then they, I'm saying drink, 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 and they notice I'm using the same sign. They'll quickly learn the English as well. They'll start to realize, ah, mom and dad, they're speaking different languages, but these words mean the same thing. Another big advantage of sign language, and this is just in general sign language for babies, this is why a lot of people teach their children sign language uh, babies, even just in one language. 
So, for example, um, there are many uh, American parents who will teach their babies uh, and who will use sign language with their babies. And you think, well, why? They're only teaching one language. They're just doing English. Why would they use signs? Because what is interesting, what, what we have found out, what we see is that babies can use sign language before they can speak. The signs are easier for the babies to use than speaking. And if you think about it, it kind of makes sense, right? You can kind of understand why. Because um, to make sounds, you know, to say a word, even something simple like eat, I mean, you have to use all these little muscles in your mouth and your tongue very correctly and it's a, in, a, in a very small, you know, very controlled ways to say drink, for example, to say the word milk in English, milk. I mean, some, some of you maybe uh, have a, difficulty saying that, you know, that L sound, milk. And so, you know, this is a little bit of a complicated skill to say these different sounds and using these, these kind of the small, careful control of these little muscles in the tongue and the mouth and the throat. On the other hand, signs, most signs are very big movements and very, very simple movements. They don't need to do anything very complicated, right? Like the sign for eat again. Well, that's super simple. You just, you, you, you just, just touch your hand to your mouth. That's enough. You understand eat. And so that's much easier for a baby to do. What are you doing, little baby? Hmm? What are you doing down there? One second, little baby. Okay. Keep sleeping. <laughs> She's moving around. Um, right? That's super simple. Just touch your hand to your mouth. So even a little baby can learn to do that much, much, much more quickly. And so what we have found, what people, parents have found that are all around the world, is that the babies can learn to communicate. They can communicate to mom and dad. They can say things with sign language many months earlier before they can speak. And you can imagine, for if you were a little baby, imagine you're a baby, <laughs> this, how, how nice this would be. Because, you know, they're so frustrated because, oh, they're hungry, for example, but they can't talk. They can't say, I'm hungry, right? They're not able to do that. Hungry, I'm hungry. It's too complicated. They're, they're still not quite sure how to do that. But maybe they can just touch their stomach with their hand. They can learn a sign that means hungry. That's really simple for them. And so many months earlier, they can just look at mom and dad and, and touch their stomach. And then, ah, you know, mom and dad say, oh, that's why they're upset. They're hungry. Right? The communication happens earlier. Baby's less frustrated. And indeed, parents less frustrated. So it's another advantage of sign language. Um, you can use it even just with one language. But then in, it also has that great advantage of helping the babies more quickly learn two languages at the same time. And the reason I call it a sign bridge, you can see that the sign language, the sign, the physical sign, connects the two languages like a bridge, right? It's connecting the word eat in English to taberu in Japanese and then there's a hand movement that's exactly the same it connects so the baby understands ah these two words mean the same thing now here's the cool thing you can do this with your children you can both these techniques you can do with your children the one parent one language 
and the sign bridge. You can use them both if you want to teach your children English. People ask me sometimes, you know, how should I teach my children English? AJ, you know, do you have a, a course for children? What's the best way to teach a children English? And sometimes I'll say, well, you know, use songs and this and that. But to be honest, then to be specific, this is the best way to teach your children. Absolutely the best, the most natural, the most powerful, the most effective, the most simple way for you to teach your child or children English is this. You know, so let's say you speak English, you're learning English from me, your English is good enough to teach a small child. It's good enough. You don't need to be perfect, okay? Don't worry about it. So you could just decide, okay, I'm going to just speak English to our child for maybe just for a couple years. And then your spouse, your husband or your wife, will continue speaking your own language to them. And that's it. It's just you constantly start using English, just like you would with, uh, you know, in your own language with a baby. And then at the same time, you and your husband or you and your wife learn some of those basic signs, right? Get a sign language dictionary or, uh, you know, go online. There are apps. You can get sign language dictionary apps that show you the different movements. The movements are not, it's not so important which one you do. You can use American Sign Language. That's a popular one. But I don't know. I'm sure there are many other kinds of sign language. It doesn't matter just as long as you're both husband and wife are using the same sign for the same word, the same idea. That's the key thing, right? To make that bridge. And so you speak English to your child using the signs and then your husband or wife uses your native language using those same signs. And in this way, your child will learn English in a very, very natural way, you know, real communication with their mom or dad in the home, real life stuff, not a bunch of textbook, stupid stuff that they don't care about. This will give your child a foundation of English. Again, it doesn't. You, they don't have to become super advanced. You do not need to be perfect, but you will give them the foundation, the core, the center of English. And then when they go to school and they're learning English from books, it will be much, much easier for them. Or then you can continue with the teaching at your at home and they can start, maybe you can teach them to read in English and then you can start bringing in maybe cartoons or books or storybooks or other things. You can add other things also. But in the beginning, this is really the best way to do it. Now, a, key, a, a couple points about the sign language. As I said before, you do not, 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 you do not need to use a sign for every word you say. That's not necessary. For example, if I said, do you want to eat? If I say this to my baby, do you want to eat? I'm not going to do a sign for do you want to eat. I'm not going to do five signs or something like that. In the beginning, I probably will only do the sign for eat. Do you want to eat? Eat, and I'll maybe I'll say the word eat louder, you know, stress the word eat, and I'll do the sign for eat. But do you want to? I'll just say it, but I won't do a sign for that. All right, so I'm just focusing on the core word, the main word that we're focused on, which is eat. Do you want to eat? And as I say eat, I'll touch my mouth with my hand. 
Now, maybe later when the baby, when I, I know the baby understands eat, maybe I'll add want and then I'll do a sign for want. So I'll say, do you want? And I'll do a sign for want to eat and I'll do the sign for eat. So now I'll have two signs, but then I'll have all those. I'll still have those other do you right? Do you and to these other English words. I'll still say them, but the signs are for the key words, right? The most important words, which usually are the verbs, the action words, and the, the important things, the nouns. So it's another key thing to, you know, do, 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 you do not need to completely master sign language. This is not necessary for this purpose. If you want to learn sign language, great, but that's not why we're doing it. So we're just going to focus on those key words, the core words, those key verbs and those key things. And then the other words still say them like you normally would in your language or in English, but you don't need signs. You don't need signs for every single word. And again, you do not need to worry about signs for any kind of uh, grammar. I don't know in sign language, I don't know how they do past tense, for example, but don't worry about it. So if I said, did you eat? Now it's past tense. If I say this to the baby, did you eat? I'll still use the same sign for just for eat. I'm not going to change it because it's, or if I say something like, you know, oh, you ate, you ate your food. Very good. You ate your food. If I change it to past tense, ate, I'll still use the same sign for eat. I'll still just touch my hand. In fact, this might actually help them to understand, ah, oh, eight <laughs> means the same thing. And they'll eventually figure out that it's past tense. Okay, so again, with the sign language, don't make it too complicated. Just the basic, basic, basics. And finally, with the sign language, you're only going to use the sign language for the core of the language, right? Just to get them from zero level, nothing, up to maybe 200, 300 words, right? Those really super, super common, super useful everyday words in the language, in both languages, if you're doing one parent, one language in both languages. After that, you can just stop using the sign language. It's not necessary because then they'll have enough they can start to learn from you just speaking but in the very beginning the sign language helps a lot and of course just physical actions also help this is basic tpr total physical response it's also what parents naturally do that you know you point at things you you do actions all that kind of stuff of course continue to do that and then just add some of these signs, these core signs. You might even only need a hundred signs just for those really, really, really everyday, super useful words. It will get your baby started understanding. And then, of course, like I said, your baby then can use some of those signs. How useful is that for your baby to say, you know, water or milk or food or apple or pain and then point to their stomach or pain and point to their, you know, foot, <laughs> right? So it's very, very useful. Also useful, my VIP program to help you speak English fluently, speak English powerfully, speak English effortlessly, speak English confidently, think in English when you commit and don't quit. 
I really like this word. I really like this phrase, really. Commit, don't quit. It rhymes. It's nice. <laughs> but it's such a powerful... It's, it's what Tony Robbins calls an incantation. You know, it's some, this like a phrase, a sentence or a phrase you repeat that has kind of an, some kind of emotional power. It's like a motto. M-O-T-T-O, motto. As I said, like, you know, one of my favorite ones is stay in the fight, stay in the fight. I was repeating that to myself again and again and again during the worst time with our baby boy when I thought he might die. And uh, for a short period, you know, I felt just overwhelmed, like, oh my God, I, I, like, you know, I'm a new parent and suddenly I'm having to make these decisions and, and life or death and he might die and I've got to find a way to save him. I got to figure out a way to save him. And there are all these problems that seemed impossible. Um, and there's a point where you just want to, you know, there's this thought in your head to, 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 to you just want to uh, break down, you know, just, oh, it's hopeless. Uh, poor me. Oh, this is terrible. And just, you know, kind of give up, right? Emotionally. But of course, uh, and sometimes when it's just ourselves, sometimes we do give up. Sometimes we do quit. I've done it in my life at times. We all do it. But of course, this was my son, this was my baby. There's no way I was going to give up. No way. Different. You, you know, any, all parents know this is different. When you're fighting for your child, you're not going to quit. You're not going to quit. You're going to fight, 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 fight. And so, you know, when I start feeling overwhelmed and almost panic, like I said, just like, ah, and the most stress ever in my whole life, <laughs> easily the most difficult and stressful time of my life. And I just started repeating this sentence, stay in the fight, stay in the fight, stay in the fight, keep moving, stay in the fight, keep moving forward, stay in the fight. And it, like just repeating it again and again and again and again, like a mantra. This is uh, any uh, Indians out there, anyone, uh, Buddhists, Sanatana Dharma, uh, know this word mantra. Um, mantra is basically, it's a phrase, a, a prayer that you repeat again and again and again and again and again. It has an emotional power, or indeed a mantra has spiritual power. And so this was kind of became my mantra for a while. Stay in the fight, stay in the fight, stay in the fight, stay in the fight. And it changed my mindset. It helped me overcome that that short period of panic, right? Like, oh my God, you, know, you just want to freak out and it's too much. And, uh, and you got you to take control of yourself. You got to take control of your own mind. You can't let it run away and go crazy like that. And then just, and then quit. Of course, certainly not in a situation like with my, with my son. So often in those kinds of super stressful, extremely emotional time periods, we, we can't use logic. Logic doesn't work in those time periods. You, you're, you're too stressed. You're too almost crazy, right? Panicked, stressed, confused, exhausted. You can't really think clearly. You can't just sit down and, oh, okay, I'm just going to be very rational and logical right now. It's just not possible when you're in that kind of state already. And so when you're in that kind of state, you need something simple, right? Like a mantra. I mean, this is a power of mantra. Or as Tony Robbins calls them, incantation. 
or even just you can just say motto okay but whatever it is it's the power because it's a short little phrase that that has a a, gr- a positive strong message that's uh, and also a good strong positive emotion attached to it and it helps you to change your mindset and change your especially change your emotional state and so stay in the fight 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 i just kept repeating it and as i repeated it you know all the worries started to disappear from my mind and the fears and all of that i started to calm down and i started to feel more strength more power right this this word fight stay in the fight and i was like yeah i gotta fight i gotta fight i'm fighting and then my mind switched suddenly my mind switched and instead of focusing on all the the fears and worries i started looking for solutions what can i do i gotta i gotta find solutions and then i start you know things start popping in my head and i just and we just i just started then i started taking action all right try this try this try this try this and every time was a fight and many things i tried didn't work and it just seemed like that Every single thing was difficult and a problem and almost impossible, but we kept fighting. Stayed in the fight, stayed in the fight, stayed in the fight. And now he's doing much better. And, you know, no guarantees, but he's doing much better now. He's, he's survived his first surgery. And uh, thank God. But that's what this phrase to me also is when I say commit don't quit commit don't quit I'm using this with VIP and yeah I know yes I'm promoting VIP but I think it's a good phrase for you a lot of people will say oh AJ um, what should I do I've lost my motivation a bit this month or recently I'm not I'm feeling less motivated about English or oh I'm depressed because I uh, I don't know I got a bad TOEFL score or something like that and some people get really, really, really depressed and upset, and they're just so frustrated with English. And at that time, you know, that's a good phrase. Say, just say, commit, don't quit. You can repeat that to yourself, like a mantra also, like stay in the fight. It means the same thing, really. Stay in the fight, commit, don't quit. Commit, don't quit. Commit, don't quit. Don't, u- don't use logic. When you're, when you're feeling down, when you're feeling unmotivated, when you're feeling depressed, when you're really, your mindset is not good, and you're feeling weak, that's not the time for logic. You're not going to use good logic at those times in your life, right? Because you're going to be, when you try to sit down and think logically about your situation, what happens? You Usually you end up focusing on negative things, on all the problems pop up, the worries, Right, the negative feelings—they all just come back, and then you just, and then it just gets worse again, and then you get frustrated. Why can't I change it? Uh, it's because you're trying to use logic during a very difficult emotional time. You just need to use something very simple—a simple, powerful emotional phrase—and you repeat it again and again and again and again and again, and you push out the negative thoughts, you push out the worries, and you focus your mind on that one thing. Right, fighting or committing and that's it like a laser commit 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 and you just push out everything else and then at some point when you just keep repeating it in your mind again and again and again and again and again you'll notice a change and then you'll your mind will start to focus on how can I commit better what can I do and now your mind starts focusing on the positive now your mind starts focusing on solutions now your mind starts focusing on goals and that's how you get out of it. That's how you get out of that negative emotion. 
It's a common question I get, and so I highly recommend that. And that's why I've been saying this phrase a lot, commit, don't quit, commit, don't quit. Because, yeah, just I used to say, join my VIP program. Just join. But I realized, well, joining isn't enough. You can join and do nothing, and you'll get no benefit. You can join and then quit after one month. Also, no benefit, right? The example I always use, you can join a gym, but if you don't work out, it's useless. It's the commitment that brings the success. It's the commitment that gives you the power, that gives you those results in life. And I understand. I understand your commitment goes up and down. I understand the struggles. I understand sometimes you do want to quit. Believe me, I understand. And that's when you just get this simple phrase, commit, don't quit, commit, don't quit, or stay in the fight, stay in the fight, stay in the fight. And you just, you use that and you make it more and more powerful and you can say it loudly and you can use your body and you can just keep doing it, doing it, doing it. And you just, with, with that power of that mantra, you push out the desire to quit. You push out the panic. You push out the negativity. You push out the weakness and you regain control over your own mind. Commit, don't quit to my VIP program at EffortlessEnglishClub.com EffortlessEnglishClub.com I'm going to answer a couple questions, comments from social media. You know, we have a group, a social media group. I'm on three different social media, mostly. I'm active, let's say. I have some other accounts as backups, but I'm active on Facebook, which is where I do my live videos usually. I don't comment really on Facebook, uh, but I do live videos there. Then uh, for comments, for direct communication where I'll, you can ask me a question and I'll answer usually uh, the bet the two places are gab gab where we have a group an effortless English gab group which is great and then also on Twitter and on, on Twitter and gab I have the same username AJ Hogue A J H O G E now because of all the stuff with the babies I have not been answering <laughs> questions recently in the last few weeks I'm sorry um, I'll try to get catch up with you guys soon but for now I, I just read through the gab group and I found a couple questions so I'm just gonna read them now and answer them for everybody uh, the first one was from Ramon a VIP member on our gab group and he says AJ what about the VIP teleseminar when are you going to do another VIP teleseminar what is that VIP teleseminar this is when I do a live chat um, Sometimes it's video, and sometimes it's only audio, but it's live, so we'll chat about, you know, a topic. And I do it only with VIP members, and so the VIP members get to communicate with me more directly, right? When I do big live videos, like on Facebook, it's lots and lots of people, so I can't answer most questions, And um, but with the uh, VIP teleseminars, it's fewer people. And so it's, uh, you can actually communicate with me much more. So when to do the next one? Again, I'm sorry, I've been, I've been, things have been so crazy with the babies that um, I haven't done one 
in uh, recently. And, uh, you know, even before the babies were born, I, I was really not talking about it, as you guys probably surprised. We got suddenly have twins. But the reason I didn't want to talk about it is because um, uh, we just didn't know, you know, medically we... we uh, we had had, you know, some issues with trying to be pregnant and struggles and ups and downs and didn't work. And I didn't want to talk about it on social media and then something bad happened. And then, you know, I just, for myself and for my wife, I just didn't want to do it. So that's why I waited until after they were born <laughs> to announce. Um, so anyway, but I've been crazy busy with even before they were born with some stuff getting ready for them. And now super busy, especially with the medical problem. But anyway, these are all just excuses, and I apologize for not doing a VIP teleseminar recently. And I definitely, of course, I do plan to do another one again. Um, as soon as we can get our boy back from the hospital, I should be able to, number one, get back on a regular schedule of doing shows, and also get back to doing those monthly VIP teleseminars. So, again, I appreciate your patience and understanding during this time and uh, please accept my apologies for that next in the gab group um, actually quite interesting post from Gahindra this is something I've seen other people um, in other places but I want to talk about it because it's really interesting so Gahindra on our gab group posted this um I think it's actually like an image, but anyway, it's a it's like a paragraph in English. And he said, this is a reading test. See if you can read this in English. And what's interesting about it is that all the words are spelled wrong. Every word is spelled wrong. And not only that, not only they're spelled wrong, it's they're spelled nonsense. So what they do is um, every word the first word and the, I mean, the first letter and the last letter are the same, are normal. So let's say we have the word strong, S-T-R-O-N-G, strong. So what they do is there's still the S is still the first word, is still the first letter, sorry. And then the G is still the last letter. So you still have the S and the G, the S at the beginning and the G at the end. But the middle ones, they mix up. They mix them up. So it's not, instead of S-T-R-O-N, maybe it's S-N-O-T-R. Which should be nonsense, right? You can't, if, you, if you're just trying to read with the sounds, what's called phonics, you, you should not be able to read the word, right? You'd be like, snortig. It should be nonsense. And then every word, every word in the paragraph is like this. They mix all the letters in the middle. They mix them up. And so then the test is, can you read it? Can you still read it? Even though every word, the middle letters are all mixed up, can you still read it? And most people can. Native speakers, especially uh, people who are pretty good readers of English, like I can read it at normal speed. I can read it very fast. Completely normal. Totally fast. Normal speed. There's no problem at all. But even, even you know, he said, you know, he, he posted it as kind of as like a fun thing to say, you know, can you read this? And everybody says, yeah, I can read it. So even English learners who are not native speakers can still read it with all the letters mixed up. 
Interesting. So why? That's the question. Like how, why is this possible or how, how is this possible? Well, this is kind of proof really. This shows you how people actually read and people meaning more advanced readers. It shows that phonics is not the only way of learning to read. And in fact, it shows that phonics is not really the main way that we read. It's not. Not class, what I would call classic phonics, right? And classic phonics, phonics means the sounds of the letters. In classic phonics, they teach, you know, all these rules about the sounds of the letters and how you, you know, how you can read using the sounds of the letters. Very basic phonics is a great way to teach total beginners to learn to read. It's necessary, for sure, right? You know, you know that the K makes a K sound, for example. An L is like a L, right? An N is N, right? That's just basic phonics, like the basic main sounds that each letter makes. Yes, definitely. That is uh, the really the, the best first step for uh, teaching someone to read in English. However, some people and some schools, I think, even in the United States, they try to teach very, very advanced, complicated phonics, where they try to teach some very advanced and honestly very difficult rules about the sounds of letters when you combine them together. And it starts to become very, 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 very complicated. And they, they, they start teach, trying to like, you know, teach the children to always use the sounds, to, you know, using these advanced rules to, to read letter by letter, right? Letter by letter, to read every single letter in the word. This is a bad idea because this is not actually how we learn to read at a more advanced level. In the beginning, we do need to learn those basic sounds, but the truth is, as we gain more experience with English and become more advanced leader, readers, rather, <laughs> leaders too maybe, but readers, um, that we use, we switch to, a, to something called whole word. And this is where, this is why you can read quickly. If you had to look at every single letter and make the sound of every letter, you would be super slow, <laughs> okay? You would be a very slow reader. But that's not how we read, actually. What we do is we just look at it, and we look at the length of the word, how long is it, and we look at the first and the last letter. That gives us enough information to know it. So again, the word strong. When you're just reading normally and quickly, you just see the S and the G, and you notice how long it is. Maybe you notice a few of the letters in between, but you're not going strong. You're not actually thinking about the sound of each letter. You just see the whole thing strong. It's actually very similar to the way, like, uh, for example, Japanese characters, right? A Japanese character, they just see the picture of it, they see the image, right, the shape, and then they just, they have a sound that goes with it. They instantly know the word. Well, it's almost like that. You're actually just, you're seeing the image of the whole word, and then you know it. You're taking it all in together.
and you know in 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 american schools there have been at different times in american schools like these these like arguments uh, with teachers about you know which ones is it whole language or whole word or is phonics and they argue back and forth it's no 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 we must teach phonics 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 and the other side no no whole word whole word whole word the truth is of course that it's a little of both basic phonics in the beginning that then as the reader gets more experience becomes more and more and more whole word the phonics is still useful for example when you find a a new word a word you've never seen before well then you might say well how do i pronounce this oh then you start to try to use some of those rules of phonics to figure out how to say it or at least to guess so it's useful still but when you finally learn how to say it correctly then you just learn it as a as a whole word. You just see the whole thing at once and you say it. You're not actually focusing on each individual letter. It's quite interesting. So that's called whole word. Anyway, go over to the Gab group. It's gab.com, G-A-B.com. Um, you can follow me, A-J-H-O-G-E, A-J Hogue. And you can join the Effortless English group. Go to the group area and join the group. And uh, you'll see Gahendra's post and... Test it yourself. See if you can read it. I'm sure you can. I'm sure you can. It's actually quite easy. It's surprisingly easy to do. Okay. Well, I've got a little baby here who's been very good for an hour, just sleeping in my lap. But she's starting to move and wiggle around. Are you getting? Are you? Are you getting? Are you getting hot down there? Hmm. So I'm going to go. It's been great talking to you. Lots of love to you. I will, as I said, I'm going to be on this um, unorganized schedule for a while, probably for another month or two. And then hopefully our boy will be coming home from the hospital. I can get back on a regular schedule of podcasts and shows, get back to doing some VIP teleseminars, and I've got other plans for Effortless English too. Thinking about publishing again uh, our business English conversations course. I'm going to talk to my dad about this, but I I want to uh, offer it. Many people have been asking me about it. A lot of people really love that course. I know Cowlood loves it. Uh, Max has mentioned it. Uh, And it's not available right now. I want to make it available again on my site, effortlessenglishclub.com. So I'll let you know if you're interested in business English. It's it's uh, quite a good course, if I do say so myself. And I think it's quite good and I would like to make it available again. So I've got projects coming up. Just be patient. And as always, join my VIP program. Commit, don't quit. Commit, don't quit at EffortlessEnglishClub.com. Go to EffortlessEnglishClub.com.